Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 54. How's everybody doing? I got two guests on the show today, and I'm just going to get right to that stuff, because what's the point in wasting any of your time? Uh, Beyond Synth is the show you are listening to right now. It happens uh, weekly, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Thursday nights, on power85.com. So you can tune in to the live show. I say live, as live is in quotes, but uh, that's when we play the show, that's when we air the show for the first time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday nights, power85.com. Be there or be fucking square. You can join the chat as well. That's the whole point, really. If you tune into the live show, there's a chat going because it gets broadcast through Mixler, uh, the website Mixler, and so you can join and you can chat while the show plays. And basically, as people are typing... They're not paying attention to the show. Power 85 is a 24-hour-a-day synthwave music station playing all sorts of cool music. So if you put on Power 85 and just put it in your browser and press play, you're going to get an amazing playlist of awesome songs. Uh, And then there's also other great shows like Power 85's flagship program, Project Friday, which happens every Friday night, hosted by a guy called Steve. He scours the globe for cool new music and plays it there. And uh, speaking of cool music, let's listen to some right now. So this is a little track called The Core by Nemix.
And that was Nemix with the track The Core. And that's a cool song. Hope you dig that. We're not actually going to do any of the segments this week, so there's going to be no mail sack or reading junk emails because this is pretty packed with just, uh, you know, people I'm chatting to. But we will play some more songs because uh, I enjoy playing music. So don't forget, uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, follow the show on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth. Uh, there's also the Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. Give it a like, man. If you like the episode, share them, comment on them, heart them, do all that stuff. Heart them. Heart them? Is that a... <laughs> you can you can heart them. Heart them. If I say heart them, it's... Anyway. Fucking dumb. Uh, wasting time. Okay. Also, if you want to have your music played on the show, you can message me any place. You can message me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last on Twitter. Uh, if you're friends with me on there, you can send me a direct message. You can also message the Facebook page, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast, or you can message the SoundCloud as well. And if you want to send me links and stuff like that, I will check out your music. And if I dig it, I'll put it on the show. And what else? Yeah, the mail sack. There is, you can send in tracks, but if you also want to send in some questions, uh, we'll uh, read them on the show, and that's the mail sack. So if you send me a message to any one of those places, I don't care where, just title the message mail sack and then ask a question, and it can be anything. I don't care. It doesn't have to be synthwave related. It can be anything, video games, movies, whatever, or stupid questions. I like stupid questions too, because they make me happy. And you know what else makes me happy? Sunglasses Kid. Always enjoy having him on the show. He's a cool guy. And he makes awesome music. And uh, let's listen to a track right now. This was off the Unpredictable EP back a few years ago, but it's still uh, a great listen. And this is See You Next Saturday featuring D.A.D.
that was Sunglasses Kid with See You Next Saturday featuring D.A.D. And that's D.A.D. shredding on those guitars. And if you dig that, uh, you can listen to the time when uh, D.A.D. was on the show. You can listen to the time when Sunglasses Kid was on the show. He's been on a few times. And D.A.D., I haven't talked to in two years, but he's actually coming up in a few weeks. We had a chat, and it was fun, and a special guest dropped by, and so it was sort of a three-way conversation. Anyways... Let's now go to my conversation with Robert Hendricks. Robert Hendricks is from the Netherlands, and he is the developer of a video game called Rising Legends, which features a bunch of synthwave artists on the soundtrack, and it's an old-school-style beat-em-up game, uh, much in the vein of, like, uh, Streets of Rage and stuff. I think it's currently in the green lighting process on Steam, so we're going to talk to him, and then I suggest if you have a Steam account, go and vote for the game, because it looks like a lot of fun. And, okay, so here is my conversation with Robert Hendricks. Well, I am here with Robert Hendricks. Is that your real name? Yeah, that's it. It's the real me. And you are the uh, the uh, game developer behind the game Rising Legends. Yes, yes, I am. Which features a lot of um, cool synthwave artists on the soundtrack. So, talk to me a bit about the game. So, it's a uh, we're in the the green lighting process on Steam, or was it green lit? It's currently in on a in the green light process. I submitted it about two weeks ago. I did that kind of early because I thought I wouldn't get rise up so fast in the ranking boards. <laughs> so I was like, you know, let me just put this on here. Let let me prepare something, a video, some cool screenshots, and then hopefully. It will get greenlit when uh, the game is ready. How does the process work exactly? Because I don't have Steam, although I think hmm? I'm going to sign up for a Steam account because I've had <laughs> I've, I've had some other people send me demos and I can't play them until I, I get Steam. But uh. so the whole green lighting process, like what what is it? So you can say here's the the concept for my game, but your game doesn't have to be finished. So it's it's mostly direct for uh, independent developers. There are a lot of creative people out there. So Steam has set up a process so people could just submit their projects or concepts onto Greenlight. And then there's a voting system for people on Steam accounts to vote on games they like. And if a game gets popular enough, it'll actually get greenlit. And that means that the developers of the game have permission to release their game on Steam itself. So then... In the case of your game, so talk to me a bit about what Rising Legends is, because you did send me a little demo to play and it was fun. So it's sort of like a Streets of Rage style game in, yeah. in, in graphics and, and gameplay. So so tell me about it. Initially, I started about one year ago, back in December 2014. Before that, I've, I've been writing a lot of concepts for games. I've been making games since I was, I think, about six or seven years old. Those are just board games or card games or whatever. Once I started to get used to using grids, I, I just doodled some stuff. I also made lots, lots of concepts in Mural. At that time, I just really wanted to, want to make a, a full, full finished, fleshed out game. Mm. And that's, that's why, that, why I started uh, Rising Legends. For my first game, I, I wanted to make something I also really wanted to play. And I felt that beat em up games, you don't see them anymore. But not not so often, at least. Mm. I feel like I'm really missing out, and I really wanted to make one. 
because I really love the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my attention a lot is also to revive the whole genre. Even with those who haven't played it can experience the beat'em up genre itself. Well, it is uh, it's my favorite arcade genre. Like, I've always loved the beat'em up games. So it's cool to see your game because obviously it's got the graphic style of like a Streets of yeah, Rage. It's yeah. like the 16-bit. Yeah. So is this like is this just a side project for you are you going to school for like game design or whatever or is this just something you're doing in your free time it's something i do in my spare time while i do this i also go to college um, i'm learning application developer so i'm currently learning the uh, all the coding languages mm. rising legends has been made with a work environment to make it easier with uh, click team fusion tool has also been used with popular games like uh, Freedom Planet, even Five Nights at Freddy's, really popular games. And yeah, then I, I, I fully invest in the game by myself. Like there's no one else really uh, investing in my project. So it's it's just me. How long has it taken then? Because I know you said you, you started the concept, but how, how much actual work goes into... I mean, even just the demo that I played. Yeah, currently the demo is just is just one stage. I've been experimenting a lot with uh, what I want to put in my game. There's also some other beat 'em up games c- coming up, but I want my game to feel very different from the other beat 'em up games that are coming up. And yours, uh, yeah. So with yours, anyways, like the protagonists are sort of ninja chicks, and there's like weapons, like yeah. they have swords. In the beginning, I was experimenting with a more slower paced gameplay where it was more like uh, stealth and sneaking but then I felt like you know this is this isn't really exciting and I started to speed things up and then I implemented the uh, sliding jumping uh, even blocking so it, it makes it really intense well how did you actually let's let's play a song here so you've uh, you've reached out and you've gotten uh, some uh, some cool synthwave artists to provide uh, music yeah. for the soundtrack. Yeah. So let's listen to uh, this one. This is uh, Speed Machine and Cybertronic.
that was Speed Machine and Cybertronic, one of the artists featured on Rising Legends. And I'm talking to the Rising Legends uh, uh, developer right now, yes, Robert sir. Hendricks. So, first of all, like, how were you aware of the scene in general? I mean, how did you know to sort of talk to these guys and, and reach out for their music? I haven't been into the synthwave scene for that long. I think the game Hotline Miami introduced me to the whole genre. You know, then I just started looking on YouTube, you know, a couple of playlists, looked on, look up song here and there. But I never actually thought that I would get to work with these guys. You know, uh, Shadow Beast is, uh, is also one of the producers whose songs are getting huge in my uh, game. <laughs> he made them... Uh, Customly for me, right? So, with uh, in the case of uh, Protector One Hundred One and Daniel Deluxe and Speed Machine, you're using like yeah. pre-existing tracks, but you're saying Seventh Beast is actually like writing stuff specifically for the game. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, he's making boss themes for me. He right. also made one other track for a stage for me. With because every boss has to feel different. I kind of want the track to have the same kind of feeling the mm-hmm. boss will provide. What about your influences, like, actually, like, developing the game? So what are your favorite, uh, like, beat-em-ups? My favorite beat-em-ups, the one I have played the very most is uh, Streets of Rage 2. Mm-hmm. I've never actually owned the game until recently on you know, <laughs> arcade, <laughs> Xbox Live Arcade. But um, I remember going back to a cousin of mine. We played Streets of Rage, like, every single day when I, when I came over. Yeah. Then also... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one I've played a lot. Uh, Double Dragon, Final Fight. Like, do you want to... Because <laughs> it's a funny thing with the beat-em-up games, because they do have these tropes. There's these sort of things that they all do, you know, like uh, in terms of their level designs and stuff. Like, it's always usually, yeah. you know, they start off on the street, <laughs> then they go to like a, like a construction yard, and they eventually work their ways up to the penthouse yeah. of a building where they face off with the last boss who usually has a gun <laughs> but yeah like, so so how are you uh, like taking those ideas but then sort of making it uh, different so it's a, a kind of the same you, you start out on the street mm-hmm. but you eventually go to a large skyscraper building but i want every stage to feel uh, very different from each other so the first stage that you also try that's on the alley just very basic i want players to actually you know get the feeling of the game you'll face uh, very simple opponents in general but also want to slowly add in the um, variety that like oh that type of enemy plays very differently from the first type of enemy I faced you know as you go through different stages there's going to be a stage that's in the on the metro for example suddenly lights will fall out and you'll you'll basically fight in black and white you'll only get uh, lights from uh, from the outside through the windows so that will give you a whole different feeling when you're actually fighting your opponents. And there's also, for example, this stage at the harbor. And that's going to be a more f- stealth-focused uh, stage. There are some uh, light searchlights, spotlights, patrolling from left to right on certain specific stages of the stage. I've been experimenting a lot with those things just to make every stage feel different, even though you're fight- sometimes fighting the uh, same opponent every time. So, the actual plan of the game, do you have the whole thing mapped out? Like, that you know what each stage is going to be? Yeah, yeah. I've already planned out what sta- what every stage is, is, is the focus is going to be. But now, then again, I'm also experimenting what type of environmental effects I can work with, you know, what, what objects the player can interact with to use against the opponents. 
So I want also want to make it, the stage a sort of a playground for the player while I'm at it. I mean, because beat 'em ups are my favorite, and so I always wanted. I'll never be able to make one, but I always wanted. <laughs> like, if you have sort of built the engine, yeah, or whatever, you know, like the groundwork. How long or how difficult is it to like swap out the assets? You mean the environment itself? Well, yeah. Like, say you had your game Rising Legends, right? And then uh, some dude comes along and says, "Hey, can we just take this, but then change the ninja characters to you know like the uh, people." that look like this and and then make the background different like oh yeah i want to be as as lazy as possible by you know by saying <laughs> with uh, with how i want to work with the engine so i've made it as simple as that that hitboxes just attached to the character or the shadow position of a certain character mm. i can easily just you know change the size of a hitbox depending on what th- what type of enemy uh, or what type of character something is a, a hit, hitbox will also always just follow positions of you know often of certain enemy mm-hmm. so i can the the carrots are itself are just basically you know just dolls walking around they don't in, really interact with anything they are just there for you know for the show well let's um here let's listen to another track so this is another one that's uh, featured on the game. This was actually the track that was playing in the the demo I played. So this is um, Protector 101 and Protect the Innocent.
And that was Protect the Innocent by Protector 101, one of the tracks featured on the game Rising Legends. And I'm here with Robert Hendricks, the developer. So the game is in the greenlighting stage. Yes. How many votes do you need to be greenlit? I don't think there's a specific amount. I've seen games with over 6,000 votes, 7,000 votes, and they are still in the in, on the ranking list. I think that it also has to do with the percentage of how many people vote yes, how many people vote no, and how many people vote on... Um, you know, you got people who were always on Steam Greenlight, so they're just going to vote on a lot of games. Right. And you got people who vote just like uh, on a single project. I think Steam also keeps in track with, you know, how many friends uh, are going to vote on a certain project. Because, you know, people could always abuse a system like that. So for this thing, like, if, I mean, if it doesn't get greenlit, can you just resubmit it as you, like, complete it further? Yeah, I can resubmit it if I want. Can it just sit there? Like, is there a time limit for the submission process, the greenlighting, or can it just sit there forever? I don't think there's a, a specific time limit because I've I've been trying to compare, like, how I'm doing versus others. And I've, I've seen posts uh, saying that people have been on Steam Relight for seven months, eight months, almost a year even. For me, I've been just two weeks and I've already reached top 50 mm-hmm. out of over 2,000 submissions. Oh, that's great. What do you think is the like the actual timeline? Like, how long do you think it's going to take you to finish it? Well, I'm hoping to, to finish it in the summer. Ten years. <laughs> ten years. <Yeah. laughs> it, it'll definitely get finished in ten years, I can promise yeah. that. <laughs> I've got the you know the whole basic engine set up. I just want to polish a lot of things, just make it as fun as possible. I'm also working on a new game mode that I'm not gonna talk about yet. Ooh. But it's very very different from all the other beat 'em up games. Uh, but I'm hoping to finish it this summer. Depends on college as well. If if it's gonna take a lot of time, you know, then it's gonna take a while longer. But it should be in 2016 at least. What do you prefer to play with? Like, as far as the controls are concerned. I've loved playing the game with an arcade stick. My, I'm a, I have a roommate who has, like, three or four arcade sticks even. We've been trying out with controllers and arcade sticks, and arcade sticks actually make the game feel very, uh, very retro. Well, that's cool, man. I keep uh, bugging my listeners to send me one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are things a must-have. Well, yeah, because I want to... Uh, there's some that I've seen that this one company makes. It's a big unit that's got, like, two-player controls with like all the buttons and it's like a really well-made oh, yeah. thing and it's like 200 bucks or something like i don't know it's more than that it's like 270 like canadian i don't know what 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 is netherlands money you mean in euros oh you just use euros there yeah we just use euros so i don't even know what the hell the conversion rate would be shouldn't be that much different from dollars actually well it depends though right because i'm in canada and the the canadian oh, the canadian, canadian dollars, dollars like uh lower than the american i have no idea there yeah <laughs> <laughs> So how did you? Who was the first um, artist you got in contact with about music? Seven Beats was the very first one. He made some custom tracks, and I've been listening to a lot of uh, synthwave artists. I was just like, you know, I like this. I like these songs so much. I'm just gonna try ask if I could use the songs. Protector 101 has been a really cool guy. He also liked my game a lot, and. Uh, 
you know, it's been very supportive uh, for the project, actually. Yeah, that's how I uh, found out about it anyways, because I saw him post about the game yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm a big fan of, of retro beat-em-up games. I'm starting, <laughs> uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to start doing, like, a review series on the show, just playing old ones and, and reviewing them, because, like, uh, there is a ton. I mean, a lot of them are very similar to each other, but <laughs> they're, still, <laughs> they're still fun to play. I think what I love about, like, kind of arcade beat-em-ups is that they just... You know, you can play through the whole game in, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. Obviously, that's, you know, like, in the new landscape of games, you want to put, like, 200 hours into Fallout yeah. or something. But, you know, when you get together with friends and you're, like, having drinks and having fun or whatever, it's nice to be able to just complete a game and then you can just continue with your evening. Yeah, because you just want to you just want to have time, like, hey, you want to go for a run? Like, yeah. Sure. Huh? <laughs> Is there anything you can then tease about what's... Uh, like, because uh, the demo I played, you know, like, it was pretty straightforward, yeah. like, sort of gameplay, but it was cool. Like, just the way that the animation looked, it almost looked like a cartoon, like, with just these, like, the, with, like, the, the the lasers that the sort of the sword makes. So what's, what other stuff do you think you have planned that's, like, not part of the demo right now in terms of, like, you know, move sets or abilities or things like that? Well, in the demo, you've only played against uh, thugs, but in a trailer, you could see there's also going to be drones and there's also going to be even like a lot stronger characters who are also going to block your attacks so you have to play really smart against them mm. besides the two main characters that, that you've seen uh, there's also, also going to be a few others but those are still in uh, in concept and uh, in, in the works which i will feel you know in the future i don't know exactly um, how many i'm going to put in but i think it's just a couple handful now, are these characters going to have different attributes? Or are they just going to be sort of like different skins? Or No, they're going to be uh, very much different from the two uh, in the trailer. Now, is this going to be like sort of a like a female heroes game? Or like uh, is there going to be like male characters uh, no, as well? They're going to be males as well. Okay. Do you have a story figured out? The very basic story is that the uh, city of Neo-Tokyo has been... Uh, fallen under corruption that the yakuza have taken over the thugs are roaming the streets you know the city can't sustain itself so there have been some martial arts people who want to change the back <laughs> just very simple you know but there will yeah, yeah, be, yeah. be some uh, a bit of depth in the future cool man well uh i look forward to playing more of the game and thanks for sending me that demo to check out because that was fun yeah no problem i'm petitioning for a playstation 4 controller support oh yeah, this is my yeah. <laughs> yeah it's on the list man <laughs> you surprised me there maybe that's not the way the majority of people play but with the playstation 4 controllers they're more plug and play ready into computers like with playstation 3 i feel like you still had to download uh, like a driver to recognize yeah. it but yeah. with ps4 you just plug them right in and they uh they work like USB controllers, so. But it's uh, it's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, dude, it was it was fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, people should check out the game Rising Legends and vote for it. Get it fucking green lit, man. Yes, I so man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, man. Well, it's awesome. It was, and it's really fun, and it's great to play because, um, you know, I just discovered a few weeks ago. There's this thing called Open Bore. It's Beats of Rage. Okay. You know, like Mugen, like those things where you can make your own fighting games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Using sprites from other games. Oh, yeah. There's a thing like that for beat-em-ups. But what I find is, and maybe you should ch check it out just to see, but y sometimes those games don't always 
play so smoothly, you know, because it's sort of like this very easy way to sort of create your own game. And uh, what I did like with your game anyways is like, you know, the controls were fluid and responsive and the characters moved well and stuff. So, yeah, you know, you have to make a game properly. Yeah. To do that. You know, I, ju- I just want to start from scratch so I can basically do with the game with whatever I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keeps the freedom. Yeah. Well, man, you have a lovely Netherlands day. Is it cold there? Is it warm? <laughs> uh, it's raining all day. Okay. Well, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every day. Is that a thing? Is like it rains in the Netherlands? Is that the cliche? Yeah, sadly it is. Gives you plenty of time to stay inside and work on Rising Legends. It gives a good reason. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play another track, but it was uh, good talking to you. And good luck with your game. Thank you. And we'll uh, check in, man, and, uh, and see your progress over the coming months. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, dude. And I'm going to play a track. This is uh, another track uh, that's going to feature on the game Rising Legends. This is Daniel Deluxe and King Cyborg.
And that was my conversation with Robert Hendricks, developer of Rising Legends. So go check out that game. You can see a little demo video. And as I say, I played a demo of the game and it was a lot of fun and it worked. And uh, that's all that matters, man, because, you know, I love brawlers. And now we got no time to waste. I got to pack a lot into a two hour show. So we are now going to go to my conversation, which was recorded a while ago with Quick Sex FM. And uh, he's sort of a dude who's just been, you know, in the scene for a while doing various different things as a DJ or setting up, you know, synth events and stuff like this. And uh, he's just a fun dude to talk to. So we're going to listen to some cool music and chat with Quick Sex FM. All right, man. I am here with Vincent Grippy. How's it going, man? I like how you you kind of held my last name out there, the Grippy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally coming off of a day where I've recorded like a ton of interviews, and you are my last one of the day. So I might be a little tired. I had this idea that I was going to drink and try and get like progressively drunker, and so there would be this narrative that would go over like the course of like a few months because that's like, how these <laughs> interviews are going to be spaced out, and like every week. <laughs> It's like a slightly different version of me, but... What, man, is it just me or does he sound drunker each and every week? <laughs> yeah, he's got a problem. <laughs> but uh, it didn't It didn't pan out. I had some eggnog with some rum in it. I can't drink eggnog, man. That stuff is pretty gross. See, no one can. It's a funny drink. It's very divisive. But every time I bring up eggnog, the first thing everyone always says is that they don't like it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who does like it? Am I the only one? Like, it's... I like it with whiskey in it, but I mean... I don't know, dude. It, it looks weird, and, and the name is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and by weird, I mean it looks like sperm. Yeah, but that's why it's great. <laughs> I, I had some the other day, and I put Irish cream in it, and that was very good because it was like, didn't taste like alcohol at all. Man, that sounds like, like cream overload right there. It was a lot of cream. The first porno I ever started in was also called Cream Overload. Well, hell, I mean, that's a great title. It is. I'm still waiting for somebody to make a sequel, though. <laughs> I'm still waiting to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you do get paid well doing porn. I've, I've heard mixed things. I think it's worse for men. I think they get paid less. I think that's the, the idea. Yeah, I mean, I feel you're getting paid in, like, good spirits, though, because that's pretty awesome. Well, that's the thing. It's a, it's a funny industry. Um, yeah, you're getting paid less, but then it's way more degrading for the woman. So I guess, like, it's, like, danger pay for them. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, cause the, well, because, like, the things that they... It's a funny thing because obviously it's this industry that binds all men our age, <laughs> and especially like with the internet and stuff. And the problem is that uh, it's it's gotten so gross. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it's evolved. It's it, it's devolved into this thing, and, and it sucks because it's part of all of our lives. But it sucks that it's it's sort of uh, it's violent now. Yeah, it's like it's gone down a weird path. Yeah, I've read like a, an article. I think it was in Vice where they're saying like you know you start off with whatever porn kind you start off with and then like it's because it progressively has been getting more and more like obscene mm. your brain gets desensitized to it and you start actually craving like the harder stuff i guess i know there's this dude that wrote a book and i know it has nothing to do with synthwave <laughs> but i was actually interested in talking to or at least anyone like sort of related to it because that's the whole premise of the book the idea that not necessarily porn but that internet porn is actually a problem and in and we have to make this distinction that internet porn is actually worse because you see so there it's sort of sensory overload 
And what what happens is it becomes an addiction in the same way as any other addiction, where it's like you're feeding a dopamine response, and so it's yeah. it's not so much about about what you're seeing; it's just that you're seeing so much of it, and then you, and then because uh, in the old days when you had like a VHS tape, <laughs> you weren't overloaded. It was like you could see one thing at a time, and that was it. And so it's not quite the same level as when you're looking at a grid of photos and and you just click on something and then you're at another grid and it's interesting it, it, there's basically a guy who's doing a study about the the effects on the on the brain he's calling it a study but it's just an excuse to watch a lot of porn yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 because i talked to other people about it who were just very open like what's the problem with porn it's all good i'm like yeah i mean like it's it is if you <laughs> you don't get sucked into the the portal of using it improperly or it wasting too much of your life i mean that's a that's an issue too right? it, can, it can affect your productivity yeah that's one stat i don't want to know like how much of my time has been wasted on that especially <laughs> like when you're younger and you first discover it well yeah that's a that's an exciting time <laughs> you know it can be something as simple as, I'm, as whatever like say you looked at it for like half an hour a day well then that's fucking 100 how many hours a year like a and that's a very simple piece of math that I should be able to do. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong guy. I can't help you there. Okay, let's see here. 365 days a year. Half of that is 150, uh, 180, 83. I'm going to say 180. No. Hold on. 365 divided by 2 is 182.5. All right. Okay. So 182.5. So if you looked at it for half an hour a day, that's 182 hours a year. Now think about all you could accomplish in 182 hours. A lot more jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so appropriate that we're talking about this uh, in my interview over here, given my name. Well, let's. Uh, I haven't really explained what you do or who you are, but uh, we're going to listen to a song first. So this is because <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, today you're sort of uh, co-hosting along with me because you do like. Uh, DJ mixes and stuff, and you you put together like uh, these mixes and things, and, and we'll talk about that. But uh, this is a track I dig, and it's a track by a guy called Shakan, and it's called Beach Scene.
And that was Beach Scene by Shakan, and I am here with the man behind Quick Sex FM, just listening to some cool tunes and candidly discussing uh, pornography. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably should have done this in the first segment, but what is Quick Sex FM? <laughs> like, explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so Quick Sex FM is uh, my moniker, I guess, and I started off by... Uh, DJing and just putting a bunch of uh, mixes together using, I guess, a variety of jams, you know, synthwave, primarily new disco, Italo disco, all that stuff, maybe some like classic Deep House kind of stuff. And uh, I've been doing it probably now for, I would say, almost two years. And then uh, recently I kind of, you know, I guess came to terms with the inevitable, which is uh, it's time to start making my own music. So I am returning to making my own music, but this time as Quick Sex FM. Because you do have like a like a SoundCloud where you put these mixes. Was Quick Sex FM something else? It was, dude. It, wow. You would know that because what, like when, when I first kind of like E met you, if that's what you want to call it, I wa- it was something else. I, I initially had started... Um, it was supposed to be almost like a blog, but like kind of like a radio show, but the show wasn't like this. It was just uh, one long mix that I had put together. And then I realized, you know, A, that took away from, uh, you know, time in my life that could be going to more valuable things like jerking off. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I decided, you know, I, look, what was performing most for me were the mixes when I'd upload them to, to SoundCloud and MixCloud and whatever. So, uh, I, and, you know, also I knew I always kind of loved the performance aspect of music. So I got into uh, the DJing thing instead and just started making mixes they started taking off then I started doing shows and um, I guess the inevitable really came along we're really now at the point where I'm just making my own music talk to me then about like the sort of the DJ set so what, where do you do it variety of places my first one was actually um, in Brooklyn and Brooklyn New York uh, and I was I was nervous as hell because you know in order to I guess prepare for it I'd been doing like parties and like local bars and stuff but this was the first one that was like a show format where you know people aren't really going to just like get drunk and listen to tunes or actually coming to like watch you it was funny like i went up and i I did it with actually faith in the glitch and it was a blast i immediately fell in love with it because i kind of equate it to when you're when you're hanging out your friends and you're the guy with the auxiliary cord and you get to play whatever you want and like you get so excited when you see people dig the same music as you Mm -hmm. so to be in control of that and you know say all right now i'm gonna turn the tempo up i'm gonna go down and you know i'm gonna play a classic and just watch people jumping around and really getting into it and then you know after the show people coming up to you asking you know who who did this song who did that song it it's exciting it's it's almost like you're a tastemaker in your own sort of weird way so how did you get uh wind of the the synth wave scene i had always been into like 80s music and new disco and stuff and then um i think i stumbled upon fm attack on Spotify. But I want to, I think it was, no, actually it was YouTube. I got into him on YouTube and then I just started finding a bunch of other YouTube videos and somehow it led me to Synthetics FM and then it led me to you. And I think you were doing like your, your second episode at the time. This was a few years ago. And I just started like listening to your show all the time and listen to everything Synthetics posted and just started networking with a lot of the different artists and like trying to play their songs on what was a show at that point. 
Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, I just, I, you know, I've just been following it ever since. And I got to meet a bunch of cool guys, too, because they they swing by New York a lot. And there's also a pretty good scene out here. So, you know, I get to I get to meet a bunch of cool guys. Actually, funny thing is uh, Joey Mercedes is actually from the same town as me. So I went to go see him DJ the other night, which was pretty cool. So how do you find uh, the reaction then when you sort of like throw in the, the synth wavy kind of tracks? To be honest with you, it's pretty mixed. It really depends on the environment. I, I feel like synthwave and i love it but i feel like it works a lot more in almost like a soundtrack environment or when you're listening to it by yourself kind of at least for me Mm -hmm. because when i've tried dropping it at parties you know more often than not people have kind of been like is this video game music what is this you know so (laughs) i I have to i have to like wisely mix it up i got my girlfriend super into it you know i'd play a lot of like celerect la dreams and and uh rain sword and those guys like some of the classic guys and they usually get into that i I, and pretty much i know everybody loves this song but i got uh pretty much every guy friend that i have into king of the streets which i mean everybody loves that song yeah yeah yeah. it's kind of hard to not like that song there's something that i think it appeals to guys yeah i don't know what it is necessarily like what it is about that sound but it's like it's a very specific thing it targets a very specific type of person it does yeah i think it really ties back to like a lot of uh, nostalgic things such as like video games and all the kinds of shows and movies that we grew up with and i think you know that's right because for me my favorite time to listen to it is while driving and you know it just makes me feel like i'm in like cobra or something every time i i listen to synthwave while driving but you know if i'm at a party it, it, I, I wouldn't ideally spin just synthwave. I'd probably try to mix it in there a little bit. Although there's some guys out there, you know, I think when they start throwing some uh, interesting vocals and stuff into the songs, then, you know, you're really you're really striking a nerve with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, let's uh, let's listen to another track here. It's got some uh, got some vocals in there. This is a this is a track called Luna's Theme from the Astral Stereo Project. Bye. 
And that was Luna's Theme by the Astral Stereo Project. And I'm uh, still here chatting with Quicksex FM. Uh, we're just here chatting about music, synthwave, uh, jerking off. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what were you up to today? Today is actually crazy. I'm glad you asked. I, I went to the dentist, which is not the exciting part of this story. Mm. So I went to my dentist. I uh, think it was a normal you know, Monday morning. Not much exciting is going to happen. But as I walked out of my dentist office, I walked directly into Bill Clinton. <laughs> How fucking crazy is that? Did you say anything to him? Yeah, he was on the phone, like wearing this really sketchy, like brown suede jacket and jeans and ripped up old sneakers. And he's like talking on the phone. I like walked right into him, and I just like looked up. I was like, "Holy shit, you're Bill Clinton!" I didn't say that, but I like looked up, waved, said hi. He waved, said hi, and then I kept walking. And then it like struck me. I was like, "Holy shit, that was you know, that's a former president. Like that's pretty cool. I'll probably never meet another." former or current president in my lifetime. Well, if you keep going back to that dentist, you might bump into Bill Clinton again. Oh, well, who knows? I mean, I'm assuming his wife goes to the same dentist, so uh, <laughs> if she becomes president, maybe I'll run into her. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting a cleaning? What were you doing at the dentist? Yeah, I was getting a, a much overdue cleaning and then, you know, receiving the usual bad news that I got like 20 cavities and all that good stuff. I love how mean dentists can be. Like, uh, I, I used to, when I was a kid, since I was covered under my dad's insurance. So, like, I would I would go quite a bit to the dentist. So it was years before I got, like, I was in my 30s before I got, like, my first cavity because I just, my teeth were always cleaned professionally. Holy like, shit, wow. But they it all fell apart, and it fell apart so fast. Like, I, I've, <laughs> I've always been very proud of the fact that, like, hey, man, I, I made it this far, and I don't have any cavities. And, like, literally, like, one year of just drinking a lot of pop, like, there's a year where I just drank a lot of soda as you call it uh yeah, i was just about to say you're the first person i ever heard refer to soda as pop well i'm canadian so like we yeah. we, we call it pop up here but uh coke or coke anyway so like i would drink a ton of coke and coke was the one like i love coke uh oh cola and i would uh, i just drank a lot of it and i would just like kind of have a can of pop and then go to bed and and it it didn't take long for it all of a sudden to, to everything to go fucking south and then I just felt so disappointed in myself because I, I'd, uh, you know, that was a point of pride for me. Dude, sometimes I feel like the dentists kind of like help aggravate and cause cavities though, because there's so many times where they'll be poking at the same tooth with that like little metal hook, and then they're like, nope, not feeling anything, and they like really keep jamming it in there and scraping away until they're finally like, yep, you got a cavity. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bad dentist too. I mean, like they're. they're Obviously, I mean, he knows what he's doing, but uh, this guy, like, just started his practice a few years ago, so he's in that, like, upselling phase where he's trying to, like, sell me x-rays and, like, retainers and shit that I don't need. No, he's got to be okay if Bill Clinton's going there. Yeah, true. Good point. Unless he wasn't actually there for the dentist. Somebody made a joke when I posted about it on Facebook today, and they said he was there to pick up some anesthesia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fun, man. I've not met the president. Well, you're up in Canada, man. I mean, who would you have met? The prime minister? Is that what you guys have? Yeah, we there? have one of those, yeah. I've not met him either. I haven't been to Canada. I love Canada. I was. I used to go to Montreal all the time. As you probably know, in America, you cannot drink until you're 21. So when we were in college, we were 18. We drove up from Connecticut to Montreal and, like, you know, just going around drinking wherever the hell we wanted to up there. And uh, we went to a strip club, too, because we're old enough for that. And we've always heard that the strip clubs in Canada are 
way better than uh, those in America, because I guess you can touch there or whatever. Well, I... <laughs> oh, you can't touch there? I don't know who told you that, but... Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. To be honest with you, I, I was never really a stripper guy. Uh, I mean, I'd been there a few times. I mean, it's like, you gotta go if you're a dude and you become it's a It's like a rite of passage. Yeah, you gotta go and find out for yourself. And it was just, it was never fond of it. But isn't there, like, the ones in the States where they they still wear, like, G-strings and stuff? Yeah, so there's, there's two kinds. There's the ones where you can drink there, which means they have to at least be wearing, like, you know, underpants or, like, a bikini bottom or something. But uh, if there's full nude, there can't be any alcohol at all in the bar. Yeah, that's the difference. Because I think all the ones in Canada are full nude. I don't think we have. Dude, the guy, the guy, the, the guy that at that strip club that I was at, he, there's this dude. He was sitting. It was, this is in the middle of the day. I mean, who's going to a strip club that's like you know a valid person in the middle of the day? So like this guy, <laughs> a valid person. <laughs> this dude is sitting at the edge of the stage all alone, and every time the the stripper like kind of like came within. I guess touching distance of him, he would like he was like wafting her with both of his arms like really obscenely. It was like it was pretty gross and disturbing. It's a weird thing. It's mostly just when you see the people around you. Like if it's like one of those movie situations where you're in like this super classy place, you know, then and you'd feel like oh this is high class, you know, fucking rich people stuff. And, but it's never the case, right? There's just all these fucking scumbags and stuff like that. <laughs> you're just like oh right because I'm scum too. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Well, there's some weird people out there. Speaking of which, let's listen to a track uh, by... Uh, this is there's no segue at all. But, uh, no, not at all. This is uh, an old favorite of mine by Beta Max. This is a track called Maximum with two X's. Maximum. 
That was Maximum by Betamax from the album Sophisticated Technology. That's a fun one. There's two X's in the word Maximum. There's two X's in Betamax. So you, you're doing these uh, these DJ sets and stuff, and you're also uh, organizing like synths or like sort of uh, event kind of things. Yeah. So tell, tell me about that. There's a synthwave artist in the scene. He's also primarily a DJ. His name is Faith in the Glitch. Uh, he reached out to me on SoundCloud, said he like dug my music and all this. Turns out we live in the same area. So we kind of got together one night and said, hey, you know, there's not really a lot of synthwave shows going on in New York City. We should kind of get together and like start putting them on, I guess. And so we formed, a, a, I guess you could call it a collaborative like thing called Retrowave NYC. And um, really our goal is to try and uh, introduce this music to as many people as we can in New York City and kind of fuse it, you know, with other stuff too, like, uh, you know, new disco, Italo disco, all that stuff. And so we just go around the city just throwing events and uh, bringing different DJs on to kind of spin the good stuff. Well, that's cool. Yeah, dude, it's a lot of fun. It's cool because, you know, it, it's kind of shocking. New York is always on like the cutting edge of, you know, a lot of trends that are up and coming and like, you know, musical styles and all that. And for some reason, like for a while there, Retrowave really felt like it was behind the West Coast uh, in New York for sure. I still think it is, but, you know, we're working to change that as much as we can. The first time that we did it, the show went over well, but you know, when everyone starts getting really drunk and they want to dance more, you have to switch gears. You have to play more like new disco and some funkier stuff because, you know, let's face it, you're not really going to like, uh, try to mack on a guy or a girl like listening to Synthwave. Tell you what, if I was macking on a guy, I would have <laughs> This is probably got to be one of the, your dirtier shows, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored, though. This stuff has to be discussed, I guess. Of course it does. It's a very, very important to, to society here. I like how Bill Clinton got associated with all of it, though. It seems appropriate, right? It's yeah, absolutely. Here, let's listen to another track. This is a track by Damon Hatfield from IGN's track called Proper Form. Let's listen to that. <laughs> Thank you. 
that was Proper Form by Damon Hatfield off the album, I think it was called Background Processes, and uh, yeah, that's cool. If you dig that episode, he was on the show, uh, or dig that episode, dig that song, fuck me, whatever. Anyway, I'm back here with Vincent Grippy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at what I do. And, uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, man, so talk to me then about this, this transition, so you've You've uh, been doing this DJ, and then you decided that you want to start uh, making making tunes. Yeah, man. So for when I was growing up, I was always in bands and whatnot. I was always a, the, the synth player, if you will. Then I started breaking off on my own, making like eighty sounding music, but it was it was stupid. Like it was just comedy music, and um, it was fun. It sounded great, but I wasn't planning on going anywhere with it. So then when I kind of got into the whole DJing thing, you know, I always knew in the back of my mind I wanted to make, uh, you know, legitimate dance tunes, you know, really hit like new disco and synthwave uh, with my own original spin. So I guess, you know, kind of after establishing myself a little bit uh, via the DJing stuff that I do, I, I, you know, I decided now's the time to start making my own jams, put my own stamp on it. So what, uh, what do you do, man? In your fucking free time when you're not DJing. I do a lot of things. I do stand-up comedy a lot. Uh, I produce and write uh, indie short films. And I, I'm an avid darts player. Love darts. Are you good at darts? I am. I'm pretty damn good at it. So what's the secret? Because I'm shit at them. Dude, honestly, for me, I, it's corny when I play other people, but I always do the whole, like, close one eye and, like use the other one to kind of stabilize my shot thing and it, it always works for me when i don't do it i actually shoot like shit yeah I, would, I think that's it and also it's good to know what's what weight fits you i guess so i should whenever i play darts i should bring along like a little suitcase with my own personal darts instead of like when people who bring their own bowling ball when you go to a bar and they have darts there you they're usually shit they're like the shafts are plastic they're like 18 grams or something like that i shoot with 27 grams so like once you go to a store that's like, like a billiard store or something they'll, they'll sell darts you get to like try them out try out different weights and once you realize you're starting to hit the numbers you intend to hit that's that's when you know it's your weight i love <laughs> i just love the detail and all the subcultures like i know nothing about darts and then just to find out that there's like different weights like there's gonna be yeah that's a good weight yeah this is good stuff you know like <laughs> oh, fucking darts. yeah i know that's why i don't even like talking about it because people like you know everybody's like hey what are you doing tonight i'm like i got my dart league and they're like that's a thing people play that shit like competitively <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a cool thing to be good at, I guess. Like, cause it's you know, it's a staple of uh, like those bar games. It's like being good at pool, you know. Like, it's a it's a good skill to have. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Because if you're out with friends, or like you know, even if you're on on like a first date or something at a bar, and there's a dartboard there, it's just like a huge icebreaker. And you know, then it's also fun when you go to a bar. And like people who, you know, are happen to be on one night, they're just playing well, but they don't really play. And then they start challenging everyone in the bar to play them. Then you go up and you start blowing them away. And they're like, fuck, this guy actually knows how to play. It's fun. Well, you know, the old saying, uh, let's listen to another track. <laughs> that's, that's the old saying around. It's here. my favorite saying, man. Yeah, man. This is FNY. And this is a track called 84. I'm assuming the year.
And that was 84 by FNY,、uh, like the year 84. And that's off the Ocean EP. And I'm、uh, still chatting with Quicksex FM. We were just talking about darts and uh, the uh, intricacies of darts. <laughs> and then you mentioned you,、uh, you write short films. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. The first one that I wrote when I was in college, I was a senior. Uh, I actually wrote、uh, a feature length film. It's two hours long. And then、um, I raised $27,000 on my own. And we actually shot and produced it and turned it into a real thing and went out toward it and everything. That took a good three years out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was actually the ultimate deciding factor that I wasn't going to、uh, do film anymore. Was, I, actually, after that, I did a, a TV show. And then、uh, I, I, did, <laughs> I did a movie for the band Hanson. And then that was it. I was done. Sorry, you, you have to elaborate on some of the stuff you just said. <laughs> so, the, the, the Hanson thing,、uh, you remember Hanson, right? The whole Mbop guys and all that. But for a week straight, man,、uh, they played one album of theirs from front to back. And I was in the, I, I, you can't call it a mosh pit, but it almost was one. I was in the pit of all these screaming girls, like filming them from the crowd. Okay. And like all these girls, dude, they were like flipping out all the time. Like, Tearing out my shirt, and because they'd see I'd run back from behind the stage and back to the to the crowd, and they'd be like, You need to take me back there. I need to meet them, and all this stuff. And I think what actually everybody doesn't know, which is really interesting, is those guys come from a huge family. They have like a bunch of brothers and sisters, and it's just like those three who happen to be like famous and really talented. Pretty interesting. And they're actually really cool guys, too. Their music just isn't really my taste. <laughs> But I listen to every album front to back for a week. So, what was the idea? Like, they were performing live and they were getting real reactions from these girls? So, it was like, I guess, like a live DVD. It was like, you know, of all their shows as they played all their albums. One, you know, I guess one each night. And there was girls that were camping out in front of the fucking theater for a week. Like, all night they wouldn't go home. They'd stay in like little tents and stuff. It was, it was pretty intense. I mean, it's wild to see, you know, that loyal and also kind of rabid of a, of a fan base. Why were you filming Hanson? Why were you there? It was a gig. I mean, like, you know, when you're in the film industry,、uh, there's no real, like, direct, clear path. You know, you just try to get on whatever projects you can, working whatever odd jobs you could. And, you know, I always believed in the, you know, do it yourself route. So I was always. Producing and making my own stuff, but it would take forever until I'd see any return on something like that. Yes. So,、uh, you know, I would do other gigs. I, I worked on another movie called、um, The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. I got to meet like Keanu Reeves, Daniel Day Lewis, all these guys.、I、worked on, on that movie for like a good like two to three months, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, it's cool, but, you know, it, and it pays, but. At the end of the day, you know, the movie's over and then you just got to search for the next gig. And I don't know, it's not really a way of life that I was that I was feeling. Plus, you know, I guess being a do it yourself kind of guy, you know, I, you don't really have control over any of that. You know, you're just you're there working, you know, for someone else's show. Well, let's、uh, let's talk a little bit about Daniel Day Lewis. Actually, no, let's listen to a song. <laughs> We're going to listen to a track now by Jaunter. This is, a, this is a track called FTL Highway by Jaunter.
And that was FTL Highway by Junter off the album Void Sleeper. Uh, we're listening to cool music, and I'm still joined by Quicksex FM, who just told me he met Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, I did. Was he like a really serious dude? No, man. He's actually the kindest guy ever. It was really funny. I, I It was my first day on the set of that movie. His wife was directing it. And uh, the production office gave me a bunch of things that need to be signed by the producer. And I had to like rush to the set, get them signed, then mail them out like back to California in time. And I, I, I like went to the set. They gave me like a Dodge Charger, which was like pretty fast at the time. So like, I like ripped into the parking lot, rushing to get these things signed. And when I parked, I, I parked super close to like this uh, road bike, like a street bike, got the paper signed. And when I'm running back to my car, uh, one of the producer's assistants were, was walking me back. And then there was a guy standing looking at how close I parked the car to his bike. And he took his helmet off and ended up uh, actually being Daniel Day-Lewis. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and um, he's like, oh, Vincent, this is Daniel. You know, meet Daniel. And he ended up like he was super tall and uh, he's kind of intimidating looking, but he ended up being super nice. I was like, dude, I am sorry that I almost like like, you know, rocked into your, your fucking street bike here. And he's like, oh, no worries. It's all good. So then he, when we're done talking, he puts his helmet on, jumps on his bike, and he goes back out into uh, the traffic. And people are honking at him like, this asshole just cut us off. And I'm like, little do they know, that's Daniel Day-Lewis. Literally like a month or two after he had just won uh, Best Actor for There Will Be Blood. Well, he's the, he's fucking amazing. Like, he's the, that dude's nuts. Oh, he's incredible. He's definitely one of my favorites. And uh, speaking of favorites... Here's one of my favorites. It's Lucasette with the track You Are, You Are.
that was You Are, You Are by Lucasette from the album Left to Our Own Devices. Epic album. And maybe one of these these days uh, they will uh, make something else. <laughs> in the meantime, I'm chatting with Quicksex FM about uh, working in movies and stuff. Um, so what was the plan with the short film you produced? When I produced that film while I was in college... What I was trying to do with that was shop it around, get it sold, and use it as a calling card to like make more movies and stuff. I, I did always view it as like a side gig, as a hobby. But you know, it, eventually, and I still do it. I mean, I still, you know, obviously, I'm doing the music thing uh, and whatnot, and the comedy thing. But it, the thing is, it just take when you're doing your own thing in film, it takes a lot of time, a lot of people to some degree at some point, and a lot of money. It, it drives you crazy after a while. The coordination is nuts. I mean, because I, I do video stuff and I'm mm-hmm. trying to make a show right now. The complexities of just getting even phase one, because it's like a science fiction thing I'm doing, so it involves these complex costumes and things. And there's, I'm, I've always been the kind of dude that always tries to do as much as I can myself. Right, right. And it's always, it's always been so hard for me to delegate tasks to other people because, not that I don't trust them, but when I have a very specific vision, it's sort of hard for me to let other people in. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately... The, 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 well, not unfortunately, but just like the nature of the project I'm tr- trying to work on now, it just, it involves, it, I need help, you know, like I need Absolutely. lots of people to help. And it's tough. It's very tough. It's tough to get all that shit organized, especially when, if you're doing something on a really low budget mm-hmm. and are at the whim of other people's schedules and when they can sort of help out and stuff. And, uh, you know, when money's involved, it's different. Because at least you can be like, hey, man, like I can pay you. So then it's a job. But usually more times than others, it, it, it's uh, it's someone else's money. You know, you have to return on that investment. So it's hard. I think that's kind of what funneled me more towards doing like stand up comedy and music, because I could come home after a long day of work and sit down and just start jamming, making good tracks and put together a mix or even just write like a one hour stand up gig or something like it's easy it really doesn't take much time a film you know you're committing to that for for well more than just you know principal photography which is like you know a few months you have to go through like editing and post and all that shit costs money you know you can't do all of it by yourself but it's fun to try it is it's definitely fun and it's fun (laughs) when you actually have you know uh i guess the end product to show people say like hey look what i did and you know when i made that movie i was I wrote it when I was 19 and I, I wrapped it up when I was I was 21 and we did the premiere. We did one in Boston and one outside of Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, I was 22. So pretty cool. But again, you know, very time consuming. <laughs> well, tell me a bit about uh, doing stand up because that sounds fun. Actually, I tell you what, we're going to listen to another song. <laughs> we're going to listen to a track by Mega Drive. And this is a track called Maniac. Off the album, Rewind.
was Mega Drive with the track Maniac off the album Rewind, which is a cool song. And I've been joined for this episode by Quicksex FM, DJ, synthwave connoisseur, renaissance man. Uh, so you mentioned earlier about doing stand-up comedy, so uh, talk to me about that. Stand-up comedy, I've always done it. I mean, when I was younger, me and my friend, I had a friend who, like, came from a pretty well-to-do family that had an enormous basement. I mean, it spanned, you know, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how big it was. It was huge, and his parents were super old. So we would uh, invite a bunch of people to his basement, charge them like $5, and they would get, you know, some like jungle juice or whatever bullshit alcoholic concoction we made. And they would sit down, and I'd take a little guitar amp and a mic, and I would go off for like an hour Back then, I wasn't writing anything yet. And then, you know, I always realized, like, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this. People liked it. I want to try to take it a step further. So I started doing shows around New York. Uh, and I would put them together because, I, I mean, if you could tell the one constant here is I always need to be in control of something because <laughs> I'm a weirdo. So uh, I would put together these shows and I would headline them. And I would always, I'd always treat it as like an HBO special kind of thing. Not saying I was that epic or anything, but. I, I had I couldn't just do a ten or fifteen minute set. I wanted it to be like a big like you know set that kind of connected to it, to other parts. And uh, I started doing those, and you know ever since the beginning, I, I was selling out all the shows I did. Uh, it, it was awesome. We filmed all of them. I, they're not public uh, facing because you know <laughs> I do want to keep my job. Yeah, I did that for a while, and I'm I'm planning on doing another one this summer. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's nerve-wracking going up there because, you know, unlike like with a movie, you play a movie to people, you're sitting there in silence, people are enjoying it. You know, you can't really get, gauge their reaction. Uh, with music, you know, at least it's loud and you can't hear them, like, sighing or not laughing. But when you're doing stand-up, dude, you... If you suck and you hear crickets, like it, I, I would imagine it's got to be the most devastating thing. Well, what's the uh, what's like what's the the type of stuff? I mean, you do you, uh, like like jokes or stories? Yeah, like yes, yeah, stories primarily. So, have you ever seen any of John Leguizamo's stand up? No. So basically, his stand ups are always just stories from his own life. And he would just kind of take different stories from parts of his, like, uh, uh, you know, being raised to Puerto Rican parents, living in New York, and then another one's more about, like, you know, uh, experiencing sexuality for the first time and stuff. So I kind of crafted around that. Yeah, I just use real-life stories, and they're always, like, really funny. And then, of course, I pepper in some other uh, pop culture jokes in there and some observational stuff. But I've always found that when you're telling real stories, uh, you don't really even need to rehearse as much because, you know, you're telling them as you remember them, and, you know, you just have that natural emotion towards them. And uh, people can see it, they sense it, and they laugh. So do you you talk about your uh, Puerto Rican upbringing? Yeah, I I talk about my Puerto Rican upbringing uh, quite often, actually. (laughs) you know what's what's odd if you watch some older films that were like pg rated like uh like i think airplane i'm pretty sure the original was pg uh, there's nudity in them Uh, well actually do you guys have like you guys probably don't have the same rating system oh no 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 we do like the the entertainment ratings and all that stuff is exactly the same here as, as it is in the states yeah yeah but nowadays like you really you couldn't get away with that the difference now with ratings is, um, I think now just because of marketing and, and the way that uh, y- if you have an R-rated movie, you make less money. So, like, in, in the 80s and stuff, in the 70s thing, you would have a movie that was rated R that really wasn't that bad. Like, the, you know, they said fuck a few times, 
and maybe there was like like some blood or a little bit of violence or whatever but that was it and then now you would have that movie would just be pg and they would just make sure they only said fuck once it'd be pg-13 i was watching a tom cruise film and i forget which one it was and i remember it was like it was over and i'm like that movie was rated r and i had to think i'm like was it jerry Maguire? No, no, it was like one of the 80s ones. It was, you know, like Cocktail or something. Dude, I want to see that movie so bad. I've never seen Cocktail. Well, it's, you know, it's there. But but it's, <laughs> but the thing is, it's one of those ones where it's rated R, but because of how our standards have sort of changed, it's like I'd had to, I had to think when it was over, like, why was that rated R? And I'm like, I, I guess they said fuck a few times because you would just, in the, in the movie landscape now... The difference between having an R-rated movie and a PG-13 about how much money you would make, you would just change the script and get rid of those extra fucks, mm-hmm. like if that's yeah. all it took. Yeah. Whereas before, it just felt like, you know, if that was the nature of the movie and they said that word, you know, four times, they would just keep it in. And it's just it's an R-rated film now because of the language. And now it's different. But now, like, there's so many ways to viscerally do an action scene where you, you don't actually see blood bursts, but you can still have all the sound... like. Like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, mm-hmm. you know, like they just, they're very serious and they just have such a serious tone and like there is still like a level of violence where it's like they feel more mature than just a PG movie, but then you think about it and I'm like, yeah, I guess you never see any blood and no one ever swears. Yeah, true. Plus, I think now like with PG, the fact that you can say one fuck in a PG movie yeah, or PG-13, right? So that, that's why there's always one. I think the rule is you can't say it. If you're talking about sex. Oh, is that what it is? You, Yeah, you can say it, but it has to be like, fuck off or f- like, you know, like that. But it can't be like, I just went to fuck kind of thing. Like it has to be, I don't know who's ever said that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Hey where, hey, where you been? Hey, I just went to fuck. <laughs> it's what I do. I just got back from fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, man, we can probably fucking uh, wrap this up. But uh, it was it was a uh, nice chatting with you. Yeah, dude, it's a pleasure. To be honest with you, it's it's actually really exciting to be a part of the show because, like I said, I've been listening to it since you uh, you first started off, and you know, to be a part of it now after it's grown so much is pretty fucking awesome. Thanks, man. Well, it's uh, it's cool, and uh, keep on spreading the the synthwave love. I thought you were gonna say keep on spreading the seed. <laughs> <laughs> after this conversation, I I would suggest you don't spread any seeds. Yeah, allow the grippy lineage to. Uh, to, to die to gracefully. With you. <laughs> I'll take it down in flames. Yeah. <laughs> Back to my parents' basement I go. And he was never heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, listen, it was good talking to you. And everyone, go check out Quick Sex FM. All right, that was good. Yeah, dude, that was fun, man. And that was my conversation with Quick Sex FM. And that is pretty much the show. So let's uh, listen to one more song. This is a song I've been listening to a lot lately. I know I think I've played Video Video on the show before, and they had this album last year called Planet of Storms. And it's really good. And I was going back and listening to the album again, and some of the songs that I wasn't spending a lot of time with, some of them really grew on me. And this was one of them, where at first I was like, yeah, this one's okay. And then the more I listened to it, I think this is slowly becoming my favorite song on their album. And this is uh, Video Video and... Not gonna die. The stars aligned. 
That was Video Video with Not Gonna Die off the album Planet of Storms. Great fucking song. Actually, it's a really good album, too. Uh, really catchy uh, catchy tunes and stuff like that. And that is the end of the show. Thank you guys for tuning in to Beyond Synth. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I've got some great shows coming up, including uh, the new and improved Arcade High. I've got a conversation coming up with uh, DAD Android Bishop. I guess I just spoiled the... I said before, I'm like, <laughs> there's a surprise guest. And then it's like, no, it's not. He's there. Maybe I even said it last week. But that was a fun show because I started the show talking to DAD. Then Droid Bishop joined us halfway through. And then DAD left and then Droid Bishop stayed. So it's a, it's a cool episode. It sort of bounces all over the place. And what else? And then uh, conversations coming up with Dance with the Dead. I mean, like, there's some, there's some good shows coming up. I'm, I'm happy about this season a lot. So listen, guys. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your patronage. 
And we'll uh, talk to you soon on Beyond Synth. Oh, yeah, that's right. If you have a catchphrase, send me one, and I'll read it on the show. I've had some submissions that I didn't care for, but keep trying, and (laughs) and you can uh, uh, send them to me the same way you send me every other thing. And that is, now this is the end of the show. Have a lovely day. Beyond Zip, the will